This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Uh, tonight we begin with Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective, which aired on radio from 1949 to 1953. Its theme, Leave It to Love, was whistled by Powell at the beginning of each episode. A bit of background on Dick Powell. He was an American singer, actor, film producer, film director, and studio head. Though he came to stardom as a musical comedy performer, he showed versatility and successfully transformed into a hard-boiled leading man starring in projects of a more dramatic nature. Uh, William Powell was born in Mountain View, the seat of Stone County in northern Arkansas. The family moved to Little Rock in 1914, where Powell sang in church choirs and with local orchestras and started his own band. He started his career in the entertainment field as a singer with the Royal Peacock Band, which toured throughout the Midwest. Later, he joined the Charlie Davis Orchestra, based in Indianapolis, and recorded a number of records with Davis and on his own for the Vocal Lion label in the late, uh, late 1920s. Now, that's important to know, since in April of 1930, Warner Brothers bought Brunswick Records, which at the time owned Vocal Lion. Warner Brothers was sufficiently impressed by Powell's singing and stage presence to offer him a film contract in 1942, in fact, he made his first film debut as a singing band leader in Blessed Event. And throughout the years in various roles, he worked with top names in the entertainment world. In 1933, he played the love interest for Ruby Keeler in 42nd Street, which was a massive hit. In 1944, Powell's career changed dramatically when he was cast in the first of a series of films noir as private detective Philip Marlowe in Murder, My Sweet. The film was a big hit and Powell had successfully reinvented himself as a dramatic actor. Tonight we enjoy his talents as Richard Diamond in the episode Cop Killer. Broadcasting Company presents Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Before I was a private detective, I was a cop. Homicide. Working out of the 5th Precinct. Homicide means murder. And there are a lot more murders committed in the big city than you think. More than make the headlines in the newspapers. And for everyone, there's the same impersonal routine, the same hard work, the same check and double check, with every cop in or out of uniform doing his best to put the case in the closed file. But there's one kind of murder that will really tear the department to pieces, and that's when a cop is killed in line of duty. Oh, my God. 
another exciting half hour with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, if your husband's dead and you pull the trigger, Diamond will help, but the fee is bigger. Hello? Oh, Rick, what can I say? Hello. Hello. Oh, no, that's nice. Now try Hello, Rick. Hello, Rick. Oh, dandy. Call back tomorrow. We'll start on Hello, Rick. This is Helen. Oh, you idiot. Hi, baby. Hi. What's doing? Oh, this is a little lonesome. Wanted to know if you were coming by tonight. Oh, you know it. Should be there around 8. How about a little... Hey, Rick, what's that siren? Is there a fire? Hmm, could be. Sounds like it's pulling right up here in front of my building. Wait a minute. I'll open the window. Honey, if this building caught on fire, I'd be Mr. Unquintine of 1950. Well, what is it? Hmm, ambulance. Oh. Oh, and here comes a prowl car. Must be a traffic accident or something. Oh, thank goodness. Well, somebody probably playing in the traffic. Oh, Rick. Okay, okay. Some guy forgot to step down getting into his new Hudson. <laughs> you know, I make remarks like that. I'm not trying to be... I. Oh, wait a minute. No combination, friend. Just turn the little old knob and push. Who is it? Somebody at the door. Well, Pop. What? Pop's gold. Oh, the nice old blind man who sells pencils on the corner. Yeah. Hello, Pop. Hey, please, Mr. Diamond, I've got to talk to you. I ain't got much time. What does he want, Rick? Oh, to talk to me. I'll call you back, dear. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Diamond. Well, not at all, Pop. Not at all. What can I do for you? I can't stay long. I have to hurry, but... I was wondering if you'd come to my place later on. It's pretty important. How important, Bob? I can't explain now, could I? But I got a big trouble. I, I sure could use some help for old times' sake. Huh? Sure, for old times' sake. Where do you live, Pop? Little shack on the waterfront, end of River Street, 622 and a half. When do you want me to come down? About an hour. Uh, I got to be going now. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, Pop. Yeah, let me give you a hand. Thanks. I, I could make it with this stick, but it takes time. I ain't got a lot of that. Now, there you are, Pop. See you in an hour. Thanks, Mr. Diamond. Name's Rick. Okay. See you in an hour, Rick. Hmm. Miss Asher's resident. Oh, uh, hello, Francis. Mr. Diamond. Oh, yes, sir. I'll call Miss Asher right away. Thank you. Uh, Rick, what? Oh, Walt. Now mind if I sit down? No. What are you doing down here? Oh, Rick. Uh, hold the phone, honey. Came down on a homicide. Homicide? Oh, that squad car right in front of the... Right in front of your building, yes. Shooting. Well, what are you doing up here? I've done all I could down there. Rick. Uh, just a minute, baby. Thought you might want to hear about it. Bill Walton. What? Friend of yours, wasn't he? Yeah, darn good one. Hello, Rick. Somebody put three slugs in him. Rick, I can hear somebody talking. What's going on? Oh, I'll call you back, baby. What? Helen? Yeah. You know, I worked with Bill on a robbery for three years. Got any idea who did it? He left the robbery detail two years ago. Been with the narcotics division. Haven't checked with them yet, but he might have been working on something. Might give us a lead. You want to go down to the station with me? Yeah, I'd like to. Okay. I've got some witnesses to the shooting. They'll be down there for statements. Bill's got a wife and three kids. Yeah. Well, aren't you going to lock the office? For what? Even a termites gag on the furniture. Let's go. Well, that's the way a quiet day could work, work itself into a lot of trouble. And like always, if trouble's around, yours truly is bound to get a chunk of it. 
Walt and I went downstairs, climbed into the prowl car, and ten minutes later we were walking into the squad room of the 5th Precinct Police Station. The first thing I saw was the zoo's best argument for not taking in boarders. Uh, Lieutenant, I got statements from all the witnesses. You want to talk to him? No, he thought he'd read their palms, Sergeant. Oh, Lieutenant, what did you have to bring the shamus along for? Just relax, Otis, and Rick, you lay off him. Well, I wouldn't need him. He'd just stop that terrible habit. What habit? Living. Oh. Come on, Rick. Oh, look at that wall. Four heads and they all need haircuts. Come on, Rick. Come on. This is a swell time to make jokes. Can you think of a better time? Okay, okay, okay. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Send in the first one. Then check with narcotics and see what Bill Walton was working on. Right. Boy, I hate things like this. What about his family? Oh, I know all of them. I guess I'll have to go over and tell them. First one, Lieutenant. Uh, Arthur Phillips. Go on in. Uh, come in, Mr. Phillips. Oh. Have a chair. Yes, okay. Uh, look, I don't know much about this thing. Mr. I was Diamond, on Mr. Phillips. How are you? Uh, how do you do? As I was saying, you I don't... You saw the killing, Mr. Phillips? Yes, yes, I saw it. It all happened so fast that I don't think I can really be... What alive. were you doing when you saw the killing, Mr. Phillips? Uh, walking. But I walking didn't see... Walking where, Mr. Phillips? Uh, up the street to my office. Oh, look, I, I gave your sergeant my statement. You'll find it What's all in order. What's your business, Mr. Phillips? Insurance. Liberty Insurance Company, 41st and Broadway. You saw Officer Walton killed? I saw a man. His name I died. I didn't know he was killed. You heard the shots? Well, yes, but it was all so fast. Yes, like what did you see? Well, like I said, I, I was walking down the street. To work? Uh, yes, Liberty Insurance You've Company. you got that. Oh, yes. You were walking? Uh, yes, and, and I, I heard this noise. The shots? Yes, but I didn't know it at the time. It was just... A loud noise, but it made me jump, and I looked. You just jumped, Mr. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, then I saw this guy grab his stomach and fall flat on his face, and then I saw the guy with the gun. What did the guy uh, with the gun look like, Mr. Uh, Phillips? Well, it all happened so fast. Sergeant Otis showed you our rogues gallery. Did you see anybody who looked like him? No, 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 I didn't see anybody who looked like him. I didn't get a good look at his face. How tall was he? Uh, uh, tall. Like six feet? Yes, or close. What was he wearing, Mr. Phillips? Uh, brown suit and a uh, hat, brown hat. Stocky? Uh, yes. Anything else, Mr. Phillips? Uh, yeah, no, no, Thank that's you, Mr. All. Phillips. We may want to talk to you again. Don't leave town on a business trip or anything. Oh, I, I can go? Good day, Mr. Phillips. Thank you again. Oh, any time. Oh, uh, if you ever need any insurance, Lieutenant. Uh, Liberty, Liberty insurance, insurance Company, company. Uh, I'll remember. Yeah, well, so long. Cigarette? Thanks. We still work pretty well together, Rick. Why don't you come back on the force? Uh, Lieutenant. There's your answer, Walt. What is it, Hammerhead? Well, I uh, I went over and talked to Fisher. He told me Bill Walton was working on a narcotics case, but he had no leads. Stuff's been flooding the city. Bill must have picked up a lead and got shot for it. That's all, Otis. Mm, Fisher doesn't know anything else. Uh, Walton just started on the job. You got some more witnesses? Uh, yeah, a lady, uh, Mrs. Margaret Walker. Okay, you can come in. Thank oh, you. Come in, Mrs. Walker. Take yes. a chair. Thank you. Anything else? No. This is Mr. Diamond, Mrs. Walker. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Walker? Do you work, Mrs. Walker? All the time. I'm a housewife. You saw the officer killed? Oh, yes, but I didn't know it was an officer. He wasn't in uniform, you know. Would you mind telling us just exactly what you saw? Well, it all happened so fast. I was standing on the corner and uh, just... What corner, Mrs. Walker? Why, the corner where the poor man got shot, of course. 51st and Broadway. Just standing, Mrs. Walker? Young man, the traffic was very heavy. I was waiting for the signal. Sorry. I just want you to understand, I don't usually just stand around on street corners. Go ahead, Mrs. Walker. <clears throat> well, I was standing there and I noticed an old man selling pencils. An going... old man? Yes, he was blind. Hey, Pop Scholes. 
did time about 15 years ago for peddling junk. Yeah, that's right, he did. (laughs) I don't know what all this talk is about. But if you don't want to hear my story, I'm sorry, Mrs. Walker. Of course we want to hear your story. Please go ahead. Look, Walt, I I just remembered something. I was supposed to see a client in an hour, and the hour's just about up. (laughs) What? I'm sorry, Walt, but this is business. Now, you wait a minute. I'll talk to you later. Well, I never... Now, that's only because you don't have any friends named Diamond. All right, Mrs. Walker. Go on with your story. I went out of that station like Noor in the stretch. The minute the little old lady had mentioned a blind beggar, I remembered Pop Scholes in my office, and I grew the biggest hunch of my career. Something had really been bothering Pop, and a cop killing could have been it. I grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was standing in front of an old weather-beaten shack at the end of River Street. Diamond. Oh, wait a second. Am I late? Uh, look, Mr. Diamond. Uh, Rick. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, Rick, I'm sorry you came all the way down here, but, well, I... You think... wanted some help, didn't you? Well, yeah, I did. Hmm, you did. Well, you could at least ask me in. Oh, oh sure, sure. I- I'm sorry, but, y- you see, I don't need no help now. No? Well, you seemed pretty worried about something when you came up to my office an hour ago. I was, but it's all straightened out now. All that right? Hmm. Hey, uh, I didn't know you smoked cigars, Pop. What? One in your ashtray here. Pretty expensive for you, Pop. Oh, well, you see, I, uh, I kind of splurge now and then. Come on, Pop. Somebody been here and changed your mind about talking to me? No, that's my cigar. What makes you say a thing like that? There was a cop killed right in front of you today, Pop. A good friend of mine. What's that got to do with me? I'm going straight. He was after somebody who's been peddling junk. I don't touch this stuff anymore. I don't go near it. Don't you, Pop? No, I put it down 15 years ago. You did time for it, too. Sure, and lost my eyes in stir. You think I want to go back to that? You think I'm a fool? There's a car pulling up out in front. That should be the law. I didn't do nothing. I swear I didn't. Better tell me quick. Who's throwing his weight around, Pop? I had nothing to do with that cop killing. I'm clean. You can't prove a thing. Come on, open up. It's the police. You're sure you don't want to tell me anything? No, I got nothing open to tell. Bust it in, Pop. Come on in. It's open. Okay, Pop. You're coming. I hey. might have known it. Why didn't you wait for me, Rick? Oh, believe me, Walt. I had an appointment with Pop. That's right, Lieutenant. He did. Oh, sure. Talk over old times, huh? Otis, take Pop out to the car. Come on, Pop. Sorry I got you in trouble, Rick. Forget it. Ah, just what have you two been stewing up? What did he tell you? He was showing me how to throw darts in the dark. That's a pretty bad one. Yeah. What did Mrs. Walker tell you about, Pop? I don't know why I should tell you. Well, don't be so grouchy. I've just been trying to find the guy who killed Bill. Pop's had it pretty tough already. I thought maybe I could make it easier than having you third degree him all over the office. You sound like I'm going to use a hose on him. But the way you're burning up, you'll probably hit him with Sergeant Otis. No, I'm going home. Now, wait a minute. What for? What, you blow up like old faithful? Mrs. Walker told me she saw some guy walk up to Pop like he was going to buy some pencils. Then another man busted through the crowd. That was Bill. Grabbed this guy with Pop. Guy pulled a gun and shot Bill, and then he beat it. Hmm. Did Mrs. Walker give you a description of the killer? Sure. Short, dark, just the opposite of the one the insurance man gave us. The only thing that fits, they both said the killer wore a hat. Oh, dandy. Now, where are you going? Now, back to my office. Pop knows something, Walt. Don't work on him too hard. Okay. Now, uh, run over to Bill's family again? Right after I get through with Pop. Oh, I'm sorry I got sore. So we all get sore. So what? I'll give you a call. I got back in my cab and headed for the office. 
On the way over, I kept trying to reason it out. Somehow Pop was mixed up in this thing, and he was scared stiff of something or somebody. I paid the cabbie off in front of the building and took the elevator up to my floor. I headed down the hall to my office, still thinking, still trying to put two and two together. That was a mistake I never could add. When I walked in, I was too busy to notice much. All I got was a whiff of cigar smoke. You fall easy, Shamus. Now, let's see how you... I left a note for you. Read it. When you wake up. Everything about a bleeding like that is so unpleasant. The first swat isn't so bad. It's hitting that cold floor and fighting to stay awake. When you start getting kicked around, that's the time to face facts and give it up. But you don't. You keep on working until your senses get kicked loose and the world comes down around your ears. You fight it because you think maybe you're not ever going to wake up again, and when you finally do, you wish you never had. Anyway, like I said, it's so unpleasant. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. (sighs) Oh, well, that lamp was pretty silly anyway. All right, all right. Don't jump, but you're talking to a ghost. Rick? At the sound of the groan... What's the matter with you? Well, that's a pretty good question. I don't know how to answer it without a head. What happened? Somebody worked me over. Oh, and how they worked me over. You want me to send an ambulance? No, just a shovel. Hmm, what's this? What's what? There's something in the typewriter here. A note. I will have to put my eyes in straight. Now, Rick, if you're hurt badly... Oh, I'm, I'm not hurt that bad, Walt. Well, what about this note? Hmm says, uh, lay off the cop killing. That's all. Oh, and, uh, yeah, look at this. Find something else? Yeah, a souvenir. Butt of a cigar in my ashtray. There was one just like it in Pop's place. Well, hang on to it. All right, sure. So what about Pop? Won't tell us a thing. Well, I'm getting sick and tired of this. Now, I got an idea. Wait ten minutes and then take Pop back to his house. Look, Rick, if somebody knows you're working on this thing, they must have found out when you went to see Pop. Probably spotted you going in. They certainly must know that we picked up Pop, and if they think he told us anything, they'll sure try to get him. I know it, I know it, I know it. Now, you drive Pop home, pretend to leave, but don't. And what'll you be doing? I'll be inside when he walks through the door. Okay, but I hope you know what you're doing. So do I. Ten minutes, Walt. Okay, Pop, here you are. Thanks for driving me home, Lieutenant. That's okay. Good night, Pop. Good night, Lieutenant. Who's in here? Who is it? Chick! I know you're here. I can smell your cigar smoke. Chick, please, I didn't tell the law a thing. Chick, say something. Honest, I didn't crack. Look, look, if you want to get rid of me, okay, but not the girl. Please, I swear I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm an old guy. Go ahead, knock me off, but don't do anything to the girl. Please, Chick, I'll peddle your stuff for the rest of my life if you leave the girl alone. 
Shake! Relax, Pop. What? You're not... No, Pop. Diamond. Didn't like to do it this way, Pop. But that cigar... The guy who saw you earlier came up to see me. Left me a cigar, too, along with a few bruises. Well, you just about know everything. Who's the girl you're protecting? I can't tell you that. Who's Chick? I can't tell you anything. Look, Pop, a cop's been killed. A great guy with a wife and kids. Now tell me, who's Chick? I ain't going to say anything. If the girl is a reason you won't talk, Pop, I'll find her. And if it's the last thing I ever do, I'll make you both sweat. Well, I'm on my way. Wait a minute, Rick. All right, go on. Okay. June, give me your word you won't say nothing about what I'm going to tell you. I give you my word about nothing yet, Pop. Now tell me, and if I think it should be kept quiet, that's the way it'll be. I got a daughter, Rick. What? That's right. Right after I went to stir, my wife had a baby. My wife died, and the kid went to live with relatives. Rich relatives. He's getting a good home and good schools. She doesn't know about you? Panhandling, no. She don't know about me, and she ain't going to. Go on. Only one guy knew about her. My ex-partner, Chick Russo. He got away when they picked me up, and after 15 years, he comes back operating again. The guy with a cigar, huh? Yeah. Hmm. How did you figure? The stuff was in the pencils. He delivered it to me, and I'd pass it. Why would you pass it? Chick had me over a barrel. He told me if I didn't play along with him, he'd tell my daughter who her father was. I'd do anything to keep from ruining her life. Now, what about Bill Walton? Well, he, he was going to grab Chick, but Chick shot him. That's why I came to see you. I didn't want no part of a cop killing, but I couldn't say anything then because I had this stuff on me and I wanted to dump it. I didn't want to go back to stir. Then Chick came to see you here, huh? Threatened you. Told you to keep your mouth shut? Yes. Told me in plain words that if I cracked, he'd kill my little girl and me. That's why I froze on you. You going to say anything? About your daughter? No, Pop. Oh, thanks, Rick. No, I don't care what happens. Well, I do. This guy's still loose and he's done a killing. I want him. I don't know where you can find him. He never said... Well, maybe I can find him. Take off your clothes, Pop. Take off my clothes? Yep, you're going to get yourself a new suit. I'm going out and see Lieutenant Levinson. I'll be right back. You sure you know what you're doing? No, but why spoil a good surprise? Rick. Where are you, Walt? Over here by the pier. What's that with you? That's Otis. I'll tell him to hide his tail. Some guy from Oklahoma's allowed to shoot him. Oh, that's very funny. Shut up, Otis. Okay. Seen anything, Walt? Uh, very quiet. Now, look, here's the idea. I'm going down to 51st and Broadway and stand with Pop's clothes and dark glasses on. You what? From what Pop told me, Chick Russo will certainly try and get him. Chick Russo? Are you crazy? He's been out of circulation for 15 years. Well, I got a big flash for you. He's back. But at 51st and Broadway, I can't give you any protection. Russo could step out of the crowd and that's the end of it. Well, I'm counting on one thing, that he thinks I'm Pop. He knows Pop's blind, so he'll get in close to do it. Maybe even with a knife. You're crazy. Walt, Walt, not in front of Otis. Oh, that's all right, Diamond. Now, I'm going down to change clothes. And then you, Walt, drive me to the corner, let me off. Then beat it. I left Walt then and went back to Pop's shack. We did a quick switch, and finally the dapper Richard Diamond stepped out complete with torn trousers, sweatshirt, and sneakers. I carried his cane with a white tip and kept his old hat pulled down over the dark glasses. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah, he looks just like the old man. Now, let's go, Walt. Otis, you stay here with Pop just in case our pigeon doesn't go for the bait. Oh, Lieutenant Kelly. Otis. Okay. Don't look so unhappy, Otis. Who knows? Maybe I'll get shot. Oh, I gotta miss everything. Isn't he a dream?
Here you are, Rick. Thanks, Rob. Say good night, Pop, real loud. Okay. Uh, good night, Pop. Sorry if we caused you any trouble. Oh, that's all right, Lieutenant. Thanks for the lift. Here you are, my good man. Bless you. Piker. Well, I stood there for two hours, getting a few dimes and selling a couple of pencils, but nothing happened. Now and then I'd pull my arm down against my side and feel a nice little 38 in the shoulder holster. I kept moving from one foot to another to keep my legs from going to sleep. I was getting a first-hand example of the tougher old poor old pop head to hold. By 10.30, I was ready to give it up. Then I spotted the cigar. Bless you. For what, Pop? Cops driving you to work now, huh? That's enough. I'll take your arm and you start walking. I'll lead you. Chick! Chick, is that you? Shut up. Walk. All right, we're going in the building. Down in the basement for a little talk. And that's just what we did. Chick held onto my arm and led me into my own building and down into the basement. I could have taken him right there, but I kept remembering Bill Walton. So I let it go until just the right time. Okay, Pop. You know what's coming. Yeah, Chick. I know what's coming. Don't act much scared. I guess it ain't so tough for a blind man. You can't see it coming. You'd be surprised what I can see. What did I tell you? Busted my arm. You hit me with that cane like you could see you hit me. You go for that gun, I'll break your fat skull. You ain't, Pop. No, Buster, I'm the fellow you gave the bruises to. Just returning the favor. Boy, you dirty... Don't do it. Pop a spank. My shoulder. All right. Now let's go back up where we can find a cop. Oh, no, you're not going to take me. Come back here, Russo. Stop, Russo. I've got a gun. Next to you, Shamus. Skeptic. Yes? Oh, hello, Walt. Oh, no. Yes, he's right here. Rick, it's Walt. Oh. Oh, did he fool wrong? Mr. Diamond Valley dead. Now, you stop that. I just had a long talk with Pop. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he said absolutely nothing. I still don't know where he figures in this thing. Would you mind telling me? Well, anything Pop did was under duress. If it was illegal, I want to know about it. Yeah, and if it was illegal, Pop would stand a good chance going back to prison. He might. You better let the law decide that. You haven't got any proof. How could I? Everybody's dead, except you and Pop. Pop won't say anything? Not yet, he won't. Walt. Yeah? Die. Now, you wait... What in the world was that all about? Oh, that Walt. When he dies, he'll have the penal code written on his headstone. <laughs> but he's a good cop. And there he is again. I can't stand to let a phone ring. Oh, you get tired. Rick, I'll go crazy. I'll drown it out. Well, do something. I've got the lovely bunch of coke. Stop. Oh, good. Well, don't you stop. That was pretty. Well, all right. Got a lovely bunch of cookie nuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big 
one, small one, some as big as your head. Give him a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of cook, and that's every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life. Sing and roll a bowl, a ball, a penny, a pitch. Sing and roll a bowl, a ball, a penny, a pitch. Sing and roll a ball, a penny, a pitch. Roll a bowl, a ball. Roll a bowl, a ball. Sing and roll a bowl, a ball, a penny, a pitch. Hi there, you are, my lad. Step right up here. I got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, all up, stand up in a great big row. I got big ones and small ones, some of them as big as your blasted head. Yeah, you give them a twist and a flick of the wrist. Oh, what lovely fun. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life. Sing and roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Sing and roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Sing and roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a ball, a ball, roll a ball, a ball. Sing and roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Oh, my dear, how was that, honey? Oh, wonderful. Oh, darn. Yes, Walt. Helen, you put Diamond on the line. It's Walt, dear. Oh, never mind him. Come here, honey. Oh. Hello. Hello. Helen, did you hang up? Helen, put Rick on this phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thisy Fu Wong, Missy Diamond, not so very did. Bye. <laughs> just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Ed Begley played Lieutenant Walt Levinson. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Francis Robinson, Larry Dobkin, Ann Morrison, and Charles Seal. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Tonight's show was written by Blake Edwards and directed by Russell Hughes. Dick Powell currently may be seen in the motion picture version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. This is Eddie King inviting you to be with us next Sunday at this same time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Stay tuned for Harold Perry and the Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve, next on Theater of the Mind. (laughs) Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) Kraft Cheese Company, makers of Parquet Margarine and the complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you The Great Gildersleeve every week at this same time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, music by Claude Sweeten.
Summerfield and the Great Gildersleeve. Like every other town in the land, Summerfield finds itself on the eve of a national election. <laughs> Well, so it goes. But the hottest discussion in Summerfield seems to be over the campaign for mayor. So let's drop into the office of the newly reappointed water commissioner and listen in. Don't make me laugh, Judge. Don't make me laugh. Terwilliger may be no rose, but whoever heard of Welsh? Welsh doesn't stand a chance. There, I must beg leave to differ. Art Welsh will be elected mayor of Summerfield on Tuesday next. Art Welsh will be the forgotten man on Tuesday next. Welsh will be elected mayor. You said that before. I say it again. <laughs> Judge, put up or shut up. I'll make you conservative bet of $1,000 that Welsh doesn't come within a mile of being elected. I'll bet you 5000 that he wins with a plurality of over... 800. I'll bet you a million he doesn't. I'll bet you five million he doesn't. I'll bet you ten million he doesn't. Well, now you're just talking like a fool. All right, is it a bet? Yeah, it's a bet. Ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. <laughs> Look, Judge, if you want to bet, let's bet. Fifty cents? <laughs> I never bet money on elections. You're afraid. It's against my principles. Judge, if Cyrus P. Terwilliger is not re-elected mayor of this town on Tuesday next... I will personally push a peanut up the middle of Market Street with my nose. My friend, you've got a bet. Uh, make it State Street. Market Street's got cobblestones. Mr. Gillespie, you early. Well, hello, Bertie. Miss Marjorie, your uncle's home. Ain't nothing wrong, is it, Miss Gillespie? Wrong? No, why? I just knocked off early because there's nothing being accomplished down at my office. Nothing but a lot of political discussion, and I'm sick of it. Sure is a lot of that. I had it out with the milkman, the ice man, the garbage man, the man that just got lost. Uncle Morris! Well, my dear? You didn't get fired again. Certainly not. Why do you ask? Well, you're home so early. Leroy isn't even home yet. I came home because I thought I'd take the afternoon off, if nobody minds. Besides, with this darn election, I can't seem to keep my mind on my work anyway. Uh, what's for dinner, Bertie? Well, dinner ain't for several hours yet. I know. I merely asked. Well, sir, I thought we might have a little lamb this evening. We had a little lamb last night, Bertie. Yes, sir, but this is a return engagement yes, <laughs> I hope you don't mind No, lamb is good, I merely mentioned it Hi Hi, Leroy Leroy, aren't you home? Oh, what happened? Did you get fired again? Fired? Let me make it clear to everybody once and for all I did not get fired today or any other time Is that clear? Yes, sir The only time I got fired, I resigned uh, Mr. Gillespie, who you gonna vote for? Bertie, I'm casting my ballot for Cyrus Peter Willinger after he fired you out of the water department? A good citizen, my dear, puts his choice for public office above personal considerations. Besides, Terwilliger is also the man who gave me my job back. Let's not be forgetting that. Yeah, Uncle's right. You've got to figure all the angles. He's working for Terwilliger now, so he's got to vote the way he's told. That has nothing whatever to do with it. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I am beholden to no man, Leroy. I arrived at this decision as the result of mature consideration and unbiased judgment. Well, I did. How is Judge Hooker voting? The judge is a big sorehead. He votes like a sorehead. Forgive and forget. That's my motto. Oh, Mr. Gillsleeve, you hadn't ought to vote for that man. Bertie's right. I'm surprised at you, Uncle Morris. Who are you to be surprised at me, young lady? I'll ask you to remember I'm your uncle. If anybody's going to be surprised around here, I'll be surprised. Well, I don't care. Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is no good. That's right. He's no good. And if you don't believe it, ask the ice man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is a disgrace to Summerfield. I don't care what Francie's father says. He says he wouldn't vote for Terwilliger if he was the last man on earth. Well, I wouldn't vote for Francie's father, so there. Ye gods, can't a man have any peace around here? I come home early from the office because I can't stand all the politics, and what do I get? By George, I'm going out. Bertie, what time is dinner? Well, I thought you didn't mind, Mr. Gilsey. I got a meeting at my club tonight. And, oh? Uh, we were going to sort of run over the candidates and the issues. Oh, so my goodness. I thought if you didn't mind, we'd have dinner a little early, around 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Don't mind me. Maybe I'll be back and maybe I won't. <laughs> Hi, Commissioner. Huh? Oh, hello, Floyd. Where are you tearing off to? Nowhere, Floyd. Just trying to get a little peace and quiet. Well, come on in here. I'll give you a hot towel. Well, hot towel sounds good. You'll promise not to sell me any politics along with it. Uh, don't worry. Here, let me have your coat. Okay. There. Climb right up in the chair and lay down, Commissioner. Thank you. <sighs> this wouldn't be a bad place to spend the day. Well, suit yourself. We can start at the top of the price list and give you the works. Just a hot towel, Floyd. But keep it nonpartisan. That's me. I'm going to vote for Artie Welch, but I'll be quiet about it. <laughs> oh, the moonlight's fair tonight along the Wabash. Uh, confounded, Floyd. Why Artie Welch? Thought you wanted to stay off that subject. Well, I do. But when I see a man planning to vote wrong, uh, Artie a customer of yours? Nope. Gets his hair cut over on State Street. Well, then I should think you'd vote for Terwilliger. Why don't you? Terwilliger don't tip. Terwilliger. Floyd, that's no way to analyze public issues. Issues? That's something else again. When it comes to foreign policy, I'm a regular H.V. Cottonborn. Well, I'll get that on the radio. I don't see how you figure that a man like Welch is qualified to be mayor of this town. Terwilliger is a real administrator. Mr. Gildersleeve, if I was Terwilliger's water commissioner, I'd say the same. That has nothing to do with it. Welch just doesn't measure up, that's all. How do you decide on a candidate anyway, Floyd? Just flip a coin? Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm a pretty conscientious citizen. I got my own system of picking candidates, and it's a pretty good one. Yeah, what is it? Well, it involves the wife, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's fine. Good idea for a man and his wife to talk these things over. I guess you never met Mrs. Munson, did you? Uh, well, no, I never did. Why? Well, I don't like to knock her. She's okay, as women go. I never had any regrets, particularly... <laughs> Of course, once in a while, she might pass a remark that's a little uncalled for, but then I'm no angel. She knows that, too. <laughs> What's all this got to do with voting? Oh, I'm coming to that. Like I say, the babe is okay most ways, keeps the house clean, she don't throw money around, and she's a fair cook, if you like everything fried. <laughs> but on politics, brother, they never should have given her the ballot... And why do you consult with her about your vote? I don't. I just ask her how she's going to vote, and I vote the opposite. <laughs> Floyd, you're a political ignoramus. I ain't dumb enough to vote for Terwilliger. Oh, let me out of here. I thought you wanted a hot Let dog. me out of here. Ye gods, can't I go anyplace without having politics shoved down my throat? Phoebe, you're a reasonable man. Yeah, try to be. Let me sit here. Let me sit here and get a little peace and quiet, will you? 
Certainly. Any trouble at home, Miss Gilbert? Well, not exactly, P.B. I was driven out of my house by a political argument, if you must know. I'm looking for a place where people don't argue with me about who's going to beat whose brains out tomorrow. Well, you're very welcome here. <laughs> Thank goodness for one man that doesn't give a hoot about politics. No, no, I wouldn't say that. I've got my opinions, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, well, just keep your opinions to yourself. Oh, I do. I believe in the secret ballot. Well, it's a great institution, the secret ballot, Peavy. Keystone of democracy. Uh, you voting for Tewilliger, Peavy? Tewilliger is an excellent man. You wouldn't vote for Welch, though, would you? He's an excellent man. Tewilliger is a fine administrator, though, Peavy. I like the fellows back of him, too. Who's back of Welch? I hear he has some very fine people supporting him. Confounded, Peavy. To hear you talk, I'm beginning to think you're for Welch. Well, now, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you're for Terwilliger. Well, I wouldn't say that either. There's only two people running for mayor, Peavy. Who are you for? I'm for the secret ballot. <laughs> How can we discuss this sensibly if you won't tell me who you're for? Well, no, I prefer to listen to arguments for both candidates, Mr. Gildersleeve. So does Mrs. Peavy. Well, there aren't any arguments for Welch, Peavy. People who vote for Welch, Welch are simply voting from blind prejudice. No, that's no argument, Mr. Gildersleeve. So Williger is a fine man. He has a fine record. He's been a public servant for 20 years. I'm very happy to endorse him, personally. Coming from a water commissioner, that's no argument either. I resent that. <laughs> to Williger has at no time attempted to influence my vote. What honesty. Why, that's an argument in itself. You think so? Well, here's Judge Hooker. Yeah, political spy. <laughs> what are you doing in here, you old goat? <laughs> what are you doing? Trying to get Phoebe to vote for your friend, Terwilliger? We were discussing the situation, pro and con. Well, Phoebe, I'll give you the lowdown. Mr. Gildersleeve made a bet with me. If Terwilliger loses, Gildy's got to push a peanut up State Street with his nose. Well, now, that's something I'd like to see. Maybe I'll vote for Mr. Welch. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hooker, you're an unscrupulous campaigner. <laughs> Don't forget, Gildy, all's fair in love and politics. Let me in, Eve. Let me in. They're after me. Oh, I don't see any... There. Well, who's after you? <laughs> Nobody. Joke. Oh, Rockmorton, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, Eve? Oh, nothing, really. I just got home, and I built a fire, and I was going to make some tea, and just relax. Will you come in? Well, if you insist. Ah, uh, a crackling fire. Mm-hmm. Do you want to sit there? Well, I know. Uh, let's pull the sofa over, huh? Let's pull it up in front of the fire so we can... That's uh... not a sofa, Throckmorton. It's a love seat. Who am I to argue? <laughs> <laughs> Here, well, I'll do that, Eve. Let me. Oh, you can't handle it all alone. No, you watch me. Nothing but a little... Uh, nothing but a little... Love seat. Uh. You're wonderful. Now, you sit down and enjoy the fire while I go and... Eve... 
I'll be right back. I'm just going to make the tea. Oh, forget the tea. Well, if you don't want it. That's the girl. Sit down. Hmm. <laughs> nice here, isn't it? Nice. Now, Throckmorton. <laughs> I seem to have to keep reminding you we're not engaged anymore. Well, there's no harm in holding a girl's hand, is there? Just a friendly gesture. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't it? Not a thing. Very well, then. We agreed, you remember, that all that was over and done with. Over and done with. Seriously, Eve, you don't know what it means to me to be able to come here this afternoon and spend a few quiet moments with you. Far from the madding crowd, far from strife and strain. A man needs that. I know. A man needs a place he can come to, a refuge. So nice and quiet here, so warm, so friendly. And you're so understanding. Now, Throckmorton. All right, we'll just hold on. <laughs> Maybe later, though, huh? Little kiss, if I'm good. We'll see. You know what I like to do? I like to sit here in the afternoon with the radio on and listen to good music. Only there's so little good music on the radio these days. Nothing but politics. That's all you hear any place. By the way, Throckmorton, I haven't asked you, how are you voting? <laughs> now, Eve, I didn't come here to talk politics. But how are you voting? I'd like to know. Well, I'm voting for Terwilliger for mayor, Apted for Congress, Sir, Lynch... Terwilliger, you're voting for Terwilliger. Well, I... Let go of my hand, Throckmorton. Oh, but Eve... Let go. Gosh, if it means so much to Eve, I'll vote for Welsh. Only don't spoil everything. I will not hold hands with a man whose political principles mean no more to him than that. Let go. Oh, nuts. There goes the whole darn afternoon. Ye gods, I wish this election were over. <laughs> return to Summerfield in the Great Gildersleeve comes the dawn of Tuesday, November 7th, and what a day for an election. Since early morning, the rain has come down in torrents. Gildersleeve has spent a good part of the day standing at the front window waiting for the rain to let up and trying to summon up enough enterprise to go out in it. Now, in desperation, he goes to the phone and calls up Judge Hooker. Hello, Judge. Yeah, fine day for ducks. Look, Judge, I've been thinking. As long as the weather is so bad and you and I are going to vote on opposite sides anyway, why don't we make a deal? If you don't go to the polls, I won't go to the polls. In that way, we'll just cancel each other out. Yeah, how about it? Great. No use getting wet for nothing. Okay, Judge. Consider your vote canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. If I don't watch out, I'm going to be a genius. Why didn't I think of that before? Now I can go take a nap with a clear conscience. You mean you're not going to vote? You're not going to vote at all? Well, I don't need to, my dear. It may be better than voting for Terwilliger at that. <laughs> the judge and I see just opposite on everything. So by staying away from the polls, we merely cancel out each other's vote. What if everybody in the country were as lazy as that? Laziness has nothing to do with it. Plain common sense. You see what the weather's like? Man could catch cold out there. <laughs> it's our duty in these times to... <laughs> our duty in these times to guard our health. Besides, I'm down to my last A ticket. 
excuse me if I go out the front way, Mr. Gilsey. There's a lake around the back stoop. Oh, where are you going, Bertie? Going out to vote. I told you, Bertie, if you wait a little while, it'll clear up. I've waited all I can wait. I'm going to get down there before they run out of ballots. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that, Bertie. They got ballots enough for everybody. I don't care. If I was to wait, maybe I'd get took with appendicitis or something so I couldn't vote. But if you go out, you'll get wet. Oh, a little water never hurt nobody. Got my umbrella and got my galoshes and I got my sample ballot. Well, gosh, Bertie, I'd be glad to drive you down there, but I'm down to my last gas ticket. What's in the tank has got to last me till the new ones come due. Oh, that'll be all right, Miss Gilsey, I don't mind. Tell you what, Bertie, why don't you and Lily B. do what Judge Hooker and I are doing? Just cancel out each other's vote. No, Mr. Gilsey, you can't talk me out of it. My mind's made up. I got my candidates and got my issues straight for once, and I'm ready. I got to vote while the spirit's on me. <laughs> yes, sir, I'm exercising my franchise. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a fine woman. Fine woman. Well, what are you children staring at? I'd have driven her down there, only I haven't got any gas. None to speak of. Don't you see, if the judge doesn't vote and I don't vote, it comes out even, just the same, doesn't it? Marjorie, go upstairs and write a letter or something, will you? You make me nervous. I'm going, don't worry. Only wish I were 21, that's all. <laughs> well, Leroy? I didn't say anything. I know, it's not like you. Go play in the cellar or something, will you? I'd like to be alone. Can I use your saw? Anything, only don't stand around there watching me. Okay, I got an idea for a super machine gun. Don't saw any nails. Yes, yes. What a day. Rain, rain, rain. If it had been a decent day, it would have been different. Be glad to vote. A day like this, man could catch cold. Little Leroy. Leroy! That's the last time he uses my saw. Uh, front door. Uh, wonder who that is. Excuse me, you have the boss? Oh, yes, come in, quickly. Hey, I just wiped the feet. Uh, hurry up, it's wet. Oh, <laughs> those my pants? All cleaned and pressed. I covered with newspaper so it doesn't get wet. Oh, well, fine. That's, thank you. How much is that? It's 75 cents. Uh, let's see if I got it here. Quite a day, isn't it? Oh, it's a fine day. Huh? Well, a little rain, but who cares? You know something? Today I'm an American. Oh, you mean you're a citizen? Oh, I got my citizen papers eight months ago. But today, for the first time, I vote. Oh. It's a great thing, you know, to vote. Yeah, guess it is. Sure. In the country I come from, nobody votes. There, a man doesn't even open his mouth. And why? He's afraid. Here, nobody is afraid. He votes, so I vote. Well, that's fine. Sure. Six o'clock this morning, I vote. Maybe it rains a little. What do I care? They open the polls. I'm the first man in. The first man in Summerfield to vote. That's me, Morgan. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Well, uh, my real name, it's a little difficult. Uh, Megunin. Who can say that? So I choose a nice American name, Morgan. What was wrong with Rockefeller? Uh, Rockefeller. Uh, that's a little hard for some people to say, too. What's the difference? My friends call me Leo, so that's how I vote. Leo Morgan. You know, I'm so excited. I walk in there and I say, good morning. 
I've come to vote. So they say, just a minute, what is your name? Like I was a foreigner or something. So I say, Leah Morgan, I'm a citizen. So then they look in a big book, and I'm getting worried. Maybe they forgot me. Maybe I didn't do something I should. Oh, I'm so worried. And then what do you think? I'm in the book, great. Yeah, me, Morgan. <laughs> me, Morgan, I'm in the book. So I sign my name. I did I did I and the gentleman he gives me a big ballot all my own and he takes me to a little uh, like a little room uh, a booth uh, that's right a booth all by myself nobody else it's fine the gentleman says to me take your time I say thank you very much and he pulls the curtains so I won't be bothered such privacy I'm not used to it at home we used to sleep far in a room so uh, I'm all alone in there I did I did I <laughs> I take my time and I look over my ballot and I vote maybe I didn't vote right but I voted and whoever gets elected that's my president well Morgan by George you're all right sure I'm all right and I'll tell you another thing this country is all right. Oh, oh, Leroy, uh, come here, my boy. You know Mr. Uh, Morgan here? Oh, hi. <laughs> Your boy? Uh, he's my nephew. Fine boy. He'll be voting too one of these days, huh? Uh, yes, I suppose so. Yeah, I got a son, a Gregory, a Gregor, a little younger. He goes to school. Gregory? I know him. He's in the 4A, a little punk. Yeah, a little punk. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> That's my Gregory. Well, I, I should be leaving. I talk too much. Oh, not at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm very glad you dropped in, Mr. Oh, I get so excited, I forget the pants. Here. Oh, yes, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. What's the matter, Unc? Uh, nothing, Leroy. I wonder if you'd be good enough to run upstairs to my room and get my car keys. Sure. You going someplace, Unc? Yes, Leroy. I'm going to vote. Can I go with you? I don't see why not. Judge Hooker. Hey, Hooker? What about him? Well, you made a deal, didn't you? Are you going to tell the judge you're voting? There's an old saying, Leroy, invented by Judge Hooker. Quote, all spare in love and politics. Unquote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a character. <laughs> hey, Floyd. Close up the barbershop and get in the car. I'll take you to the polls. I'm still voting for Artie Welch, you know. I don't care if you're voting for McKinley. Come on and vote. Come on, fold up your umbrella, Peavy, and get in. Oh, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. By the way, I'm voting for... I don't care, Peavy. This is a nonpartisan patriotic bus service. Here we go. On your old gray bonnet with the blue ribbon on it, and we hit sword drop it to the shade. Well, here's my ballot, Mrs. Farquhar. Do uh, I have to fold it? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve, right up to the dotted line. Oh yes. Well, uh, thank you. Well, I feel like a citizen. Uh, you know, Mrs. F., I pulled a fast one on Judge Hooker. He and I were going to vote opposite ways, so I made a deal with him that neither of us would vote. Oh, you shouldn't do that. No good citizen would. I know that, Mrs. Farquhar, but 
All's fair in love and politics. Besides, if I'm patriotic and the judge isn't, well, that's just too bad. Don't worry about the judge's patriotism. He voted at nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> Why, that double-crosser. He isn't patriotic. He's just a crook. Ladies and gentlemen, the returns aren't in yet. I may have to push a peanut up State Street with my nose. <laughs> but at least I voted. You know, there are people in this world who haven't the chance to vote. They know that privilege, and they know what it's worth. Here in this country, we're inclined to take it for granted. But now that the Japs and the Germans are trying to take that right away from us, look at how this country is willing to fight for it. Well, if it's worth fighting for, it's worth going to the polls for Get out and vote on Tuesday, and don't let anything stop you. Good night. Music on this program was directed by Claude Sweet. And this is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of Parquet Margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I hope you're with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.